Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty After Dark. My name is Calvin Timms. I'm your host. You can find me over on Twitter at DFFCalvin or on Instagram at the Dynasty Consultant. And we now have a Facebook page for Dynasty After Dark, so feel free to go over there and you can follow us on Facebook. You can leave any posts or comments or thoughts that you might have for the podcast over there as well. So something new that I just got added this week. So hope you guys can find your way over there sometime soon. But man, welcome back. I hope you guys had a good week this week. You know, I'm recording this on Thursday. I wanted to wait until the opt-out mania was over because it's just been a wild couple weeks with all the opt-outs and then real-life stuff that's been going on the last couple weeks for me personally and for just things in general. It's just been a crazy time for, it seems like, for everybody right now. So, like I said, hope you guys had a good week. Hopefully, in the next couple weeks, I can kind of explain why it's been so hectic for me uh, the last couple weeks. It's just, I'll be a little vague about it, but there's been a major life choice kind of thrust upon me where everything was going good, And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just seems like it's a life-defining choice that I've been offered. And uh, i got to make a decision here soon. Don't have a final decision made yet, but if I do go through with it, it'll be, oh man, it'll be a crazy time coming forward. But I'm excited, Um, and hopefully, like I said, I can share it with you guys soon. But yeah, there's just been a lot on my mind. So if you guys have been following me on Twitter, you guys have seen that I've been pretty quiet the last couple days. And that's mostly the reason behind it is just so much has been going on behind the scenes. But yeah, and then with the opt-outs, it's just been so many people holding their breath. It feels like every single day of just, is big player going to opt out? Is OBJ going to opt out? There's that report, <laughs> the Cleveland media screwing with us again because it was a couple weeks old. But um, OBJ and then some of these other guys that are opting out is just kind of crazy. Some of the names that that are opting out, like uh, you got Marquise Goodwin with the Eagles, who was going to be a starting wide receiver. It just puts even more pressure on the receiving core for the Eagles. You got um, a bunch of tackles and guards all over the place, left, right, and center. Half my defensive starters for the Patriots are gone now for, for this year. And one thing I did want to say is, even though I've been pretty quiet on Twitter the last couple of days, I have been still keeping up with all the news and just kind of watching what people say about everything. And one thing that's just crazy to me, and I know that everything is so political nowadays that if somebody disagrees with you, it's because they're the other side and just got to fight them to the death and all this stuff. But all these guys that are opting out, I will say this, there are some of them that are doing it for financial reasons because a lot of these guys that are opting out probably wouldn't make active rosters. And I mean, shoot, if you can opt out, not make a team and get paid 150000 all the power to them. That was the option given to them by the NFL. A lot of these guys took it. But there are some bigger name players who are opting out. And it's not for selfish reasons. It's not to get a paycheck when they probably wouldn't be guaranteed one anyway. It's because they do care about their families and they do have legitimate concerns. And And the people that are bashing them is just kind of crazy to me. Like, we should have a little bit of decency with each other, you know. It's just, we need to pull it back sometimes of just not go to war with everybody all the time. And like Marquis Goodwin, he's had a miscarriage with his wife about three times, I think, two or three times. And they finally had a baby girl recently and he's opting out because he wants to keep that baby girl safe. 
Now, again, losing him might hurt the Eagles starting receiving core, but man, you got to respect that. The guy wants to be a good dad. He wants to be there for his family. We got to stop attacking people all over the place for this kind of stuff. So hopefully you guys aren't doing that. But if you see it, condemn it, you know, don't accept it, but try not to just attack people. Because a lot of these people like Rondale Moore with Purdue, he's a superstar wide receiver that's going to be coming out in next year's draft. He opted out of the season for college and a lot of people are attacking him. And I saw one guy just calling him a quitter today on Twitter. And it's just like, he's doing what he needs to do. We shouldn't be attacking this guy. This The, the guy that's attacking Rondale Moore, calling him a quitter, he's doing it because he loves Purdue. I don't agree with what he's doing, what he's saying, but I saw a lot of people attacking him personally for attacking Rondale Moore. And it's just kind of one of those cycles that we got to break at some point. You know, we can't continue down this path of just everybody attacks everybody for every single thing. So, um, like I said, hopefully you guys aren't doing that, but if you are out there and you do see it, try and spread a little bit of love, condemn it. Like I said, say, Hey man, that's probably not the right thing to say. He's not quitting. You got to see it from his side, but also see from the, the fan side too, where he was really excited about Rondale Moore. He's probably the best player in Purdue in a long time since maybe Drew Brees or I'm not a big college guy. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of catch up every single year, but I don't follow it actively from freshman to senior for a lot of these guys. So I don't know all the Purdue superstars from the last 20 years, but uh, Rondale Moore is probably the best player on the Purdue roster right now. So losing him, I can understand it from a fan perspective. Losing your best player kind of sucks, you know? So like I said, try and understand things from both sides of the argument and not just attack people for one thing or the other. So hopefully we can do that more going forward. But today we're going to be talking about the NFC East. I'm glad you guys can join me for my next breakdown. If you haven't heard the other ones, they're all up there on Anchor. A lot of them have been uh, drastically altered because of these opt-outs. Maybe I should have waited until this was over, but Man, it's just crazy. Half the half the Patriots starting defense is opting out for 2020, which is just massively going to put a damper on uh, on the fantasy outlook for a lot of these guys, um, especially from a dynasty perspective. I mean, Sony Michelle was really exciting this year because they had an amazing defense. They went all out to kind of revamp that offensive line and they do not have an all-out defense anymore. They got a lot of young guys. I believe in Bill Belichick, but a lot of Patriots fans are just kind of thinking that Bill Belichick is NFL Jesus, and he might be, you know, I don't know. But, man, it's just, I don't know if he can do it with the with the crazy year that we've had with COVID and no training camps, no offseason, nothing. I think Bill might struggle a little bit early on in the year, and Maybe by the end of the year, by week 15, 16, if it goes that long, you know, this defense will be looking pretty good. But yeah, everyone expecting him to work magic again is just, I think, being a little bit delusional, if you ask me. So a lot of those past few episodes, breakdowns that I've done are still good because, like I said, I didn't focus on a lot of the defenses. But um, there are some implications, fantasy implications that these opt-outs have had, like Marquise Goodwin with the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Rager is just primed for a breakout year in 2020 because 
and we can cover him here because he's in the NFC East today, but man, Jalen Rager is somebody that I am super excited for. So I'll cover that here in just a little bit, but we're going to start off on the top with the Dallas Cowboys. And with the NFC East, uh, just to preface this before we break into each of the individual teams, one thing that I found is pretty funny is three of the NFC East teams have completely revamped their coaching staffs this offseason, which is just wild. It's going to be very hard to predict which team is going to be the uh, the clear cut winner of the season for the for this division. And the reason is we just don't know what to expect from a lot of these teams. Like the Cowboys have a lot of returning players. They haven't made too many changes on the offensive side of the ball. Defense, they've had some big turnover, but offensive side, they should still be able to roll pretty consistently uh, into 2020 where someone like the Giants, they've had massive turnover on the offensive line. They've had massive turnover on the defense. It's just who's going to win this division this year is going to be such a coin flip in my opinion. It could easily be the Eagles because they have the same head coach, because they have mostly the same defense, mostly the same offense, maybe a few upgrades in both places. But um, yeah, it's just going to be a very interesting division (laughs) with three head coaching changes and three complete staff redos. But starting at the top with the Dallas Cowboys, they have a new head coach with Mike McCarthy and he was with the Green Bay Packers. He took a year off in 2019, came back this year for the Cowboys, and he completely changed the entire offensive staff for the Cowboys, except for one position, and that's the offensive coordinator, where he brought back Kellen Moore, who was the offensive coordinator for Jason Garrett in 2019. And it's pretty interesting because under Kellen Moore is where Dak had his best statistical season for the offense, and it's kind of fun to see what he's going to do because with some of the player changes that they've made on the offensive side of the ball with Kellen Moore coming back and the consistency there it's going to be interesting the biggest question is just going to be whether Mike McCarthy lets Kellen Moore call the plays and create the game plan week to week or if he's going to have his finger in it which led to based on reports out of Green Bay some of the friction between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy before everything kind of broke apart with them where Mike McCarthy would come up with a game plan, wouldn't really take Aaron Rodgers' thoughts into the um, equation for it, and then he would call the plays on the weekends, and it just never really was what Aaron Rodgers wanted and things like that. So if Mike McCarthy can stay out of the play-calling side of the offense, I think this offense will be just fine with Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy gets a bad rap as a head coach because of how things ended with him and Aaron Rodgers and everything. And the way that Green Bay kind of consistently went downhill over the last few years. But it is important to remember that Mike McCarthy did make a lot of fantasy viable wide receivers and Aaron Rodgers. He made him good, whether it's Aaron Rodgers carried Mike McCarthy or it was kind of a co-op. It's hard to say, but Mike McCarthy does have a Super Bowl ring, you know, he's he is a decent coach and he was always a great game managing coach. So I think plugging him in as an upgrade over Jason Garrett will be just fine for this offense. Now getting into some of the guys that the Cowboys lost this season, 
they mostly lost a lot of depth pieces. They lost a lot of depth pieces specifically on their offensive line, but a couple key starters with Randall Cobb and Travis Frederick are two of the starters. Randall Cobb's a wide receiver and Travis Frederick, the center for the offensive line. Both of them, uh, Randall Cobb is now with the Houston Texans and Travis Frederick is retired. He actually retired this offseason, which is a big deal because losing your starting center, they're kind of like the anchor typically of the offensive line and switching to a new guy's always a little bit iffy um, right in the center, but we'll see if the new guy that they signed can replace him. Um, I know that they have another guy on their roster that they liked that they drafted a couple years ago to kind of potentially replace him in the future. So we'll see if they can get good production from him, but the other four guys on their starting line are the same in as in 2019. So just the center is a big difference on that offensive line. And we'll see if that has any impact. Like I said, losing the center, losing your anchor could be kind of uh, kind of a big deal, but I have no idea um, what we can expect from that. So if he doesn't step up, if they do struggle because the uh, center doesn't hold everything together. Uh, I think it mostly impacts Zeke because they won't be able to run up the middle as much as well. So he's going to have to kind of go on the outside a little bit more and maybe they'll be just fine. Like I said, I have no idea, but it just creates a little bit of a disruption that you don't like to see week to week and it makes it a little bit more unpredictable. But Randall Cobb going away, they did replace him in the actual draft with C.D. Lamb, who was their first overall pick, which was the ultimate screw you to the Philadelphia Eagles, which is just hilarious because if you remember a couple years ago when the Eagles drafted Dallas Goddard, they actually traded up to the pick in front of the Cowboys to draft Dallas Goddard. And it was a huge just F you to the Cowboys at that time because they needed a tight end because Jason Witten had just left. He had retired and he went to be a commentator in the booth that year. So the Cowboys really needed a tight end. This guy's name was Dallas Goddard. His name is Dallas after the Dallas Cowboys. His family was such a super fan of the Cowboys. So the Eagles traded up, drafted Dallas, took him to Philadelphia, one of Dallas's biggest rivals. And it's just kind of hilarious the turn of events the way everything turned out for that but so what the Cowboys did to get their revenge was they took CeeDee Lamb in the first round and this is pretty huge from a fantasy side but um, they also took another center in the draft his name is Tyler Biedaz I'm not sure how you pronounce it exactly but hopefully he can replace Travis Frederick or like I said they got the guy that they drafted I think last year or the year before that they're hoping can step up they signed Andy Dalton in the offseason to back up uh, Dak Prescott. They have not gotten a long-term deal done with Dak Prescott just yet. Yeah, they're playing with fire a little bit here because where Patrick Mahomes just got half a billion dollars, Dak Prescott has not gotten paid yet, and he's the next guy up. Him and Deshaun Watson are both the next guys up, and they always say the next guy up is the record-setting guy, the the uh, guy who resets the market, as you will, at the quarterback position. So the fact that they haven't signed Dak, if they believe Dak is their long-term future, yeah, it's going to be messy when it comes to the actual negotiation side. But Dak Prescott is on the franchise tag this year. He's making a boatload of money. 
he'll be just fine. I don't know if they'll be able to franchise tag him again. I think if they franchise tag him in 2021, he's going to be around 45 or 50 million. And with the salary cap going down, I just don't see that as feasible because they're paying like seven guys, 90% of their, their salary cap, it feels like. So I don't know if they're going to be able to franchise Dak again. So in 2021, Dak Prescott might actually be a free agent if they can't get a deal done, which is just going to be wild to see. So um, Andy Dalton is the backup. Maybe Andy Dalton can be just fine as a replacement for Dak should anything happen long term. Andy Dalton is still pretty young from a dynasty side. He's definitely someone who's worth a stash, if especially in like a super flex league or two quarterback league. I doubt he's going to have very much playtime in 2020 unless there's an injury to Dak. But long term, if something happens where they don't sign Dak, I just see Andy Dalton stepping into this. I don't think they're going to draft a guy when they have a competent starter in Andy Dalton, the red rifle, just sitting there on their on their bench. So um, they also brought in Cam Irving to kind of replace some of their offensive line depth. They re-signed Amari Cooper, the $100 million man. Blake Jarwin, they re-signed him. Re-signed a couple of their depth centers, Joe Looney and Alex Redmond. So they're definitely a little worried about that center position based on their offseason moves of re-signing the two guys and then drafting the other guy. So hopefully one of those three can step up, like I said. But from a fantasy side, like I said, you got Dak Prescott In 2019, he had his best statistical season that he's had so far from just a pure yardage, and what he did for fantasy was just amazing, right? There's nothing that's going to slow him down except that offensive line, but I think he's going to be just fine. They're bringing back Kellen Moore, like I said, and that continuity with this offense is just going to be almost seamless. So Dak Prescott... I don't see any world where he's not a top five quarterback, uh, barring injury. So like I said, in last week's podcast, I just never like to bank on injury when I'm thinking through these guys. So for me, Dak Prescott is a top five guy. He is very, very nice from a fantasy perspective, dynasty perspective. Um, if he does go somewhere else in 2021, I think he'll be just fine. Dak's not the best quarterback where, This is always tough because the year that he came into the NFL, Tony Romo broke his back, right? And that was the same year that they drafted Zeke fourth overall or whatever it was for Zeke. And that was the year that they kind of just went on this magical run where the two of them were just both in contention for offensive rookie of the year. And I think Dak ultimately ended up winning it, but Zeke was extremely valuable to the team. And a lot of people gave... Dak a lot more credit than he might have deserved at that time where he always plays well enough to keep you in it but sometimes Dak does have the tendency to fold under pressure a little bit in the key moments so it's a little concerning to have him he's not going to be a Tom Brady where he's just the fourth quarter comeback king right or the Peyton Manning for example, but he's someone who is competent, right? So depending on where he goes in 2021, he should be just fine, even if he doesn't have an amazing offensive line or amazing weapons in the new team. I think they'll be able to scheme around Dak just fine. So from a dynasty perspective, no problems with Dak. No problem with Andy Dalton, like I said, as a stash um, for 2021 in case something doesn't happen. And even if they do get a long-term deal with Dak, should Dak ever go down, 
Andy Dalton is the best backup quarterback in the NFL right now, bar none, in my opinion, because who else is going to be better? I mean, you can make the argument that Tua or Justin Herbert is the best backup right now in the NFL, but Andy Dalton, we've seen it before. He is a competent quarterback. He's not an amazing quarterback. He's not the guy who's going to light everything on fire and just go out in a blaze of glory, right? But he's good enough with good enough weapons that he's just going to do what Dak does just on a lower level. So Andy Dalton, another guy, like I said, very interesting from a handcuff perspective in a super flex in a two quarterback league, but really no standalone value. So from the running back position, you got Zeke Elliott, you got Tony Pollard. um, And that's really the only two guys on this team that are even interesting for that, for the running back position. Tony Pollard is the best handcuff for a running back right now because should Zeke go down, Tony Pollard is more than capable to plug that hole just fine, you know? So Zeke, top five running back, no problem. He is getting to that point where I'm a little concerned about him from a dynasty perspective. In 2020, I think Zeke is just fine, but long-term, Zeke is now 26, and that's typically the point where running backs start to begin their downturn from a fantasy perspective, right? So he's at that magical number 26. He has a lot of carries in the NFL so far, and that's through three and a half seasons. He has, I think it's around 1,300 or 1,400 total carries. And if you think about this, this is just a wild stat, right? Mark Ingram, who's been in the league for about nine years, 10 years, somewhere in there, he has about 1,500 total carries. So if you think about that, someone who's been in the league for three and a half versus nine years, roughly the same number of carries is just a pretty heavy workload that Zeke's been under so far. So it will be interesting to see when that toll finally starts to hit on Zeke and when he he does start to trend down in fantasy. But like I said, right now he's still a top five guy. If he trends down just enough, he could still be a RB1, albeit a low-end RB1, and then maybe the next year RB2. So no problem with Zeke for the next year, two years, three years, but it is going to be something that you should watch maybe after this season, if you, depending on what he looks like out there, if he does kind of start to slow down towards the end of the year, maybe you consider moving him at the end of this year, but Yeah, Zeke is locked and loaded for 2020, and that's for sure. So Tony Pollard, again, best handcuff for a running back, for a starting running back. A lot of people have Alexander Madison as the number one handcuff, but I honestly think that should Dalvin Cook go down, Alexander Madison would probably be a top 10 running back, but should Zeke go down, I think Tony Pollard has top five upside. He's just, he's not as talented as Zeke, but he's close enough that you wouldn't really notice that big of a drop off between the two. And yeah, I think Tony Pollard would definitely be an RB1 and potentially a top five guy should he get the workhorse role for this team. So um, he's a pretty good handcuff. Uh, wide receiver, they got the $100 million man, Amari Cooper, who is finally starting to drop a little bit right now in value. Um, last couple years, he's been creeping up, and finally he dropped down a little bit in 2020 where he's going later in startups than he probably should. He's cheaper in trades than he probably should be, and 
I think it's because there's a point with every player where you kind of just get tired of them, you know, with their when they have big glaring issues, you just kind of get to the point where you're just like, yeah, I just don't want to deal with this anymore, right? Like AJ Green is one of those guys where AJ Green is still super talented. And if he can ever stay healthy for 16 games with Joe Burrow, he will probably be a wide receiver one. But people are just tired of AJ Green because they just don't know if they can trust him to be healthy this year, right? Will Fuller, same thing, right? Where Will Fuller, when he's healthy, is easily top five wide receiver potential, but he just never stays healthy. He can't keep his hamstrings together more than maybe three to four games, right? So I think that Amari Cooper is one of those guys where he's very, very talented. He's a very good route runner. He's solid. There's really no holes in his game. It's just he does this magic trick every now and then where he just disappears. Poof. Now he's gone, right? So people are just tired of dealing with that a little bit with Amari Cooper. And that's why he's kind of dropped down in value a little bit. And if you're looking for a solid wide receiver one, low end wide receiver one with top five upside, uh, Amari Cooper is the guy that you should be looking at. He was killing it at the start of 2019. Then he got the foot injury and I think it was a hamstring injury that just really hampered him the last eight games of the year. And while he was playing all of those games, he definitely wasn't 100%. So if Amari Cooper stays healthy, I really like him for fantasy because he's not going anywhere. He's going to be with Dak or Andy Dalton for the foreseeable future, which is just fine. I don't think that limits his upside right there. And then we've seen Amari Cooper put up those 45-point weeks. You know, He's one of those guys who can pull a Julio where he just gets 10 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns, right? So we know that his upside is extremely high. We know that his his floor is just nothing, non-existent, right? So it's brought him down a little bit. Someone I'd be targeting if I was you guys and I was interested in getting a solid piece for a little cheaper. Michael Gallup is another guy. He's the other wide receiver for this team other than the rookie C.D. Lamb. And Michael Gallup is just a guy, it feels like people don't know what to do with him right now because he is very talented. He was actually scoring higher than Amari Cooper in 2019, right? But he had a lot of drops. They drafted C.D. Lamb and they just re-signed Amari Cooper, which puts Michael Gallup as the odd man out right now, right? So he's got 2020, and then I think he's a free agent after this season. So he doesn't have a first-round contract, so they'd have to franchise tag him next year. And I just don't see them doing that again with the cap hell that they're going to be in in 2021. So it's entirely possible that Michael Gallup walks next year. And if Michael Gallup walks, who knows where he's going to end up. It's hard to predict, but I mean, maybe it's the Jets. Maybe it's New England Patriots. Maybe it's the Miami Dolphins. There's a lot of teams that need a solid wide receiver, and he could slot in to be somebody's wide receiver one, potentially, but I think he's a solid wide receiver two. I don't know if he could handle being a wide receiver one all on his own. Like I said earlier, Amari Cooper still played in all those games, and he was still drawing all that wide receiver one coverage Um, double team and everything on Amari. So Michael Gallup did benefit a little bit from Amari being out there. So I don't know if he can handle that wide receiver one, similar to like a Juju without AB, you know, but in 2021, we'll find out because it's very possible someone signs him to be a wide receiver one for their team. So like I said, he's someone who's hard to read because 
in 2020, he should be just fine with Dak. Um, I don't think CeeDee Lamb is going to eat up all of his targets like people are kind of predicting, some people are predicting. And I think Amari Cooper and him, you saw last year that they can work just fine together. And we saw last year that they could even feature a wide receiver three with Randall Cobb, who had a very solid stretch in the middle of the season last year. So um, I think that's more of a C.D. Lamb role is the Randall Cobb role in 2020. But long term, I think C.D. Lamb can easily replace even Amari Cooper. I think C.D. Lamb is extremely talented. But yeah, Michael Gallup is just very hard to judge right now. If you like him, you can probably get him really, really cheap. And he has wide receiver two upside, wide receiver one even upside. But yeah, the long-term stability of Michael Gallup is a little bit questionable that you might be paying for nothing in 2021. So that's just a little bit of a risk you need to assess with Michael Gallup. But yeah, he's definitely somebody that I'm interested in because of how cheap he is. And then the last guy is just C.D. Lamb, who they drafted in the first round. Again, um, a little bit of an F you to the Eagles because everybody knew the Eagles needed a wide receiver. C.D. Lamb being there at 17 overall, everyone thought that he was going to drop even further to um, the Eagles or that the Eagles were considering trading up to 18 with, I think the 18th pick was the Dolphins to get um, C.D. Lamb if he dropped there. So it's just kind of a slap in the face to the Eagles saying, yeah, you need a wide receiver. Well, here's our guy. So CeeDee Lamb is extremely talented. Long-term, he's going to be amazing in the NFL, I think. He profiles to just be an amazing X receiver, you know. So it's going to be very fun to see him and Amari Cooper if they re-sign Dak. I just like the long-term of that trio right there. I think they could be a very dominant trio for fantasy for for years to come. In 2020, I'm a little bit more down on CD just for this year, but a lot of these wide receivers that are rookies, it's going to be a little tough for them to make a fantasy splash in 2020. So CD Lamb is just someone who I'm buying for long-term, short-term, Eh, but you that you got to expect that anyway from a rookie wide receiver. So um, no problem with that. And then tight end, they got Blake Jarwin, uh, Dalton Schultz, Blake Bell. Nobody super, super sexy. Blake Jarwin is probably the best name here because they did re-sign him. Jason Witten's finally gone, um, and I don't think he's coming back this time. So Dak has shown in the past that he has a uh, proficiency to throw to the tight end position when he's under pressure and he uses that as kind of a safety valve, right? So we'll see if that's going to be either CD Lamb this year or the slot guy, whether that's Amari Cooper, because uh, I know he, sl- he lines up in the slot quite a bit, or CD Lamb or uh, Blake Jarwin. So that's why people are excited about about Blake Jarwin because they re-signed him. They paid him a little bit of money and Dak has shown the ability to target the tight end position. And Blake Jarwin's a decent pass catcher. He's not an amazing guy like a Kelsey or a Kittle or something like that, but he could suffice as a low end tight end one uh, in a pinch. But yeah, not too, too excited about Blake Jarwin, maybe in like a tight end premium, but yeah, that's just my thoughts on him. So yeah, Dallas as a whole, pretty exciting from a fancy perspective. Lots of big hitters on this team. Um, they got multiple 
wide receiver ones, top five running back. They got a top five quarterback. You know, it's just they are locked and loaded. And as long as Mike McCarthy keeps his hands out of the play calling side of things, I think they'll be just fine in 2020. And if they can sign Dak to a long term deal, I think they'll be just fine coming in the next few years, too. So Dallas looking good. But up next, we're going to talk about the New York Giants. Now, the New York Giants also have a new head coach, and their head coach is Joe Judge, who was the special teams coordinator for the New England Patriots in 2019. And this is a very interesting signing because anytime you get a special teams coach as a head coach, they always seem to thrive pretty well. Like uh, Bill Belichick was a special teams coach. John Harbaugh with Baltimore was a special teams coordinator. And these guys, when they do go to a head coach, I don't know what it is about special teams that makes them look at things differently, but they just kind of see the team as a whole and they're able to train these guys up really well. I don't know what it is, but special teams guys always seem to be good head coaches. So I'm a little excited about Joe Judge long-term with this team. I think it might be a little bit of growing pains for the next couple of years, but uh, their defense isn't super stacked and their offense has some pretty big holes on it that they've got great pieces for the long term, but yeah, some major holes that they need to fill. Um, and as much crap as Dave Gettleman gets for just being Dave Gettleman, you know, where he just does ridiculous things all the time and he says ridiculous things, right? But he, uh, the last couple of years, he has had a pretty solid string of drafts that he's thrown together. At least on paper, they look like they've lined up pretty well. So I think he does get a little bit too much crap, but uh, um, he's he set the, the Giants up with some exciting pieces going forward. And one of the exciting things that they brought in was they brought in Jason Garrett to be the offensive coordinator. So Jason Garrett was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, um, it's kind of funny when there was the whole re-signing of Jason Garrett talks with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. He said that Jason Garrett was like a son to him. And the fact that Jason Garrett went over to the Giants to be their offensive coordinator is just the ultimate like slap in the face to, to, uh, Jerry Jones. So I will say the NFC East, there was a lot of turnover in the NFC North with players going to different teams in the division right same with the AFC East right but the amount of just like slaps in the face that the NFC East do to each other is just on a next level and it's just it's hilarious to just watch from an outsider's perspective I love it it's just so juicy so um Jason Garrett's now the OC and I think this is kind of good for the Giants going forward because he he was never really the best head coach right but He was decent from calling the plays. He just kind of got too cute at times. And I don't know if it's more Jerry driving things behind the scenes, but I think that he'll be good for, especially like Saquon. I think he's going to be great for Saquon Barkley. So Jason Garrett is the OC will be just fine. And then one other coach that I did want to mention was just Freddie Kitchens is now the tight ends coach for the Giants. So uh, Freddie Kitchens, they have two former head coaches now to uh, give Joe Judge some advice on what not to do to uh, keep your job. So um, it's just kind of interesting. So Freddie Kitchens, just want to point it out, he did land on his feet somewhere in the NFL, which is just kind of funny. So players that they lost, they lost Eli Manning finally. 
They lost Nate Soldier, their starting left tackle, to an opt-out. And then they lost Aldrich Rosas, who was their kicker. I just thought this was kind of funny. He just massively went off the deep end this year and broke a lot of laws and 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 some major legal problems. So they had to replace their kicker. So Aldrich Rosas was pretty decent from a kicking side of things. Uh, He was pretty accurate, you know, and if you have a kicker in your leagues, I know a lot of leagues are starting to outlaw those, but um, he was a pretty solid kicker. So if you were relying on him, you might need to start to look elsewhere. But um, some of the free agent ads that they did, they did bring in Colt McCoy to back up Daniel Jones at quarterback. They brought in Chandler Cantazero as their new kicker. Deion Lewis is the backup to Saquon Barkley, which is a little interesting. I could see Deion Lewis eating up a little bit of Saquon's pass catching work, but uh, not too much. I'm not too concerned about that. And then a couple pieces for their O-line and everything, but that was before the soldier opt-out, right? So in the draft, they went hard on our offensive line. They didn't get any skill players in the draft. They only got offensive linemen. So they took Andrew Thomas in the first. Uh, they took Matt Pert in the third. Both of them are offensive tackles. And then in the fifth round, they took an offensive guard. So they're really trying to get some protection for Daniel Jones, which I think is desperately needed for this team because they were just not looking good from an offensive line. They had a lot of holes on their offensive line. So I think it's going to be very good for this team moving forward to shore up that offensive line. And yeah, they went hard on it in offseason and the draft. So so there could be some growing pains with this offensive line in year one. They have, uh, with Soldier holding out, they are now starting Andrew Thomas and Matt Pert, both rookies both offensive tackles. They got uh, established guys at their center and both guards and their guards are actually pretty solid uh, and their center is decent. So it's going to lean a lot on the offensive tackles for this team. And with them both being rookies, I just think they're going to have a little bit of a rough learning curve and we'll see how they can kind of step up. If they can step up and, and handle it, Offensive tackle, I think, is one of the hardest offensive line roles to transition to in the NFL just because these edge rushers are just so big and so fast in the NFL that you have to be ready. And a lot of these tackles don't cut it. So we'll see what these two can do. But yeah, there's going to be a lot on their shoulders in 2020. But from a quarterback perspective, they still got Daniel Jones um, and Saquon Barkley at the running back. Daniel Jones is going to be... Very interesting from a dynasty perspective because he was pretty good in 2019. He had very good weeks in 2019, but he also had a massive fumbling problem. And if he can just not turn over the ball, I think he had like 19 fumbles in 2019. And it was just insane. Like they would, he would drive him down the field, get him in the end zone and then just throw a pick and, or he'd fumble the ball and just turn it over. And it's just so many of their drives were ended short because of all the turnovers that Daniel Jones had. So I know that in this offseason he's been working on that. And like I keep mentioning, the Duke is the NFL football and it's a lot bigger than a college football, which a lot of people don't understand or don't realize. And if Daniel Jones is now used to the Duke, if he can just get used to it, not turn it over, I think they're going to be 
just fine. And Deion Jones, from a fantasy perspective, I think is just going to be great, which everyone gave Dave Gettleman, again, so much crap for the Deion Jones pick that he reached so high and everything. But Deion Jones has looked pretty good other than the turnovers. So um, I think he's going to be just fine from a fantasy perspective. There's going to be weeks where he probably underperforms, but there's going to be weeks where he does just fine. And maybe he can even be a top five quarterback in certain weeks. I don't think he'll end the season that high, but from a dynasty perspective, this is all with not even the best offensive weapons at wide receivers. So Dan Jones is someone who he has a lot of hype because of how good he was, but so he, people try and sell him higher than probably he's worth based on the name value and, and some of the peak performances. So He's a guy that you can't really get cheap. You kind of got to overpay a little bit for him, it feels like right now. So uh, it's up to you if you need a quarterback. He's someone that you could potentially target. It all depends on your league specifically on whether or not that owner really likes Daniel Jones, but worth reaching out on, you know. But uh, running back, they still got Saquon Barkley, top five running back. Man, they got just loaded running backs in this division, but it's crazy. But Saquon Barkley, not really going to spend too much time on him. He's a stud long-term. I mean, he's RB2 off the board for a reason, right behind Christian McCaffrey. The dude is just a beast. In his rookie year, he had, uh, I think it was like 2,000 yards from scrimmage. So yeah, he's just another level of running back where it's just the things he can do are just crazy. His body control, his He's called Saquads for a reason, you know. His legs are bigger than my entire body. I think his, yeah, Saquon Barkley is a beast, and that's all I'm going to say about him. I'm going to skip wide receiver for just a second. I'm going to touch on their tight end position, and they do have Evan Ingram. They brought in Levin Toilolo uh, this offseason, but other than that, they really don't have too many guys at the tight end position. So it's pretty much Evan Ingram's job for this team, but Evan Ingram has had some massive injury concerns the last few years, and he really needs to start to keep it healthy. He is such a good wide receiving option. He can't block for crap in the NFL, but man, when he's on the field, he does get the targets. He demands the targets because he's that good at what he does, but he just needs to be on the field. And that's the biggest problem with Evan Ingram because if you look back at last year, he was a top five uh, tight end option in drafts, in startups, and he did not play very much in 2019. And it's just tanked him. He's he's around like tight end eight, nine right now. And he's a name that people just aren't excited about like they were last year. And it's literally just because of injuries, but that should tell you everything you need to know about Evan Ingram. If he stays healthy, dude is a beast. If he can't stay healthy, I mean, there's a pretty big risk of that. So uh, Evan Ingram, like I said, he's the only guy in this backfield. He's set up to go, but he just needs to stay on the field. From a wide receiver standpoint, they got Sterling Shepard, they got Darius Slayton, and they got Golden Tate are the three top dogs for this team. And Golden Tate is getting older. He only has one more year left uh, on his contract. He is a stud with yards after the catch. He's going to get a ton of targets. So if you're in a full PPR league, if you need a guy cheap that's going to help you make a push this year, Golden Tate is the guy. We've seen it time in and time out. Golden Tate is just one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. 
he just the things that he can do after he gets the ball in his hands and he's a little target monster you know so um he's a very good wide receiver underrated a little bit if you need help go get him sterling shepherd another guy who is kind of a wide receiver two ceiling more likely wide receiver three range but in a pinch you could probably start sterling shepherd and you'd be just fine In 2019 with Daniel Jones, he had good breakout weeks with Daniel Jones. So so this could be what Sterling Shepard needs to kind of finally break out in the NFL. So he's someone that's a little interesting. Again, he's super cheap. All these guys are very, very cheap, except for Darius Slayton, I think, is the most expensive. And he's probably the third guy on this roster because he's the outside guy. Golden Tate is the slot receiver. Sterling Shepard's more of the move guy. And then Darius Slayton is the deep threat uh, X receiver, right? So Darius Slayton was very fast, very explosive in 2019, especially with Daniel Jones. There's nothing slowing him down. People are taking Darius Slayton like he is a true number one. I don't know if he ever has that skill set. I think he's more of a wide receiver two kind of piece. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I could be proven wrong in 2020, but I just don't know if Darius Slayton has what it takes to be the alpha for the team. And with Sterling Shepard, he's never going to be the alpha. Golden Tate from the slot can't be the alpha. So Darius Slayton, I I just think long-term, they're going to bring in a guy in 2021 in the draft, another super deep wide receiver class next year. I very easily see them bringing in a wide receiver. There's talk about them potentially taking a wide receiver in this year's class before they ended up going Andrew Thomas in the first round. So I think that Andrew Thomas was the better pick in this year's draft, but the fact that they were talking about a wide receiver in this year's class just goes to show they need another guy on this receiving core. Darius Slayton, though, he's probably the most expensive, funnily enough, of these three, but he's the riskiest as well long-term because, I, just, like I said, I don't know if I trust him enough yet, but I could be wrong, you know? That's up to you to make that risk assessment for your team. The two other guys are a lot cheaper right now. They're going a lot cheaper, and they probably will all finish around the same at the end of the year. Golden Tate, I think, is going to finish the best, and it's just because of the targets. He's going to get the most targets out of all three of these guys, I think. So that is the Giants' offense. They are interesting. They're still kind of in a rebuild. Their defense needs a lot of work. Like I said, uh, they have been making some good moves the last couple of years, but they uh, are still pretty heavily in a rebuild right now, and they're going to keep loading up on the offensive side of the ball, which we'll see what kind of happens in the in the years to come. But there's going to be some growing pains with this team, I think, in 2020, but they could be sneaky valuable from the fantasy side of the ball. So um, just something to watch out for if you're looking for some guys that are pretty cheap. Look at these wide receivers for New York. Up next, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, and this team is one of the most consistent from the coaching side of the ball. They did lose their offensive coordinator, Mike Grow, to the Colts, but um, they added Rich Scangarello as the offensive assistant. Um, So yeah, that's the only change that they made for their coaching staff. I think that's going to help them quite a bit in the COVID-19 season of the NFL because 
continuity is just going to help you hit the ground running so much more than these guys that are making massive changes on their offense, right? And their coaching staffs with new head coaches, new offensive coordinators, new everything. So the continuity of this coaching staff is going to be a huge benefit for this team. And that might be what it takes to be the king of the NFC East because, like I said, it's very hard to predict which one of these teams is going to come out on top. Dallas is locked and loaded on the offensive side of the ball, but definitely have a lot of learning curve pains that they're going to have to go through. Philly's a little bit weaker on the offensive side of the ball, which I'll cover here in just a sec, but their defense, their front seven is pretty stout and their secondary is a little weak, but And then Washington is a joke and and New York is still in rebuild, but have some, some, uh, spark to them. So Philly, definitely the clear favorites to win this division. Um, in my opinion, some of the guys that they lost were Jordan Howard running back. He went down to Miami, Josh McCown, the backup to Carson Wentz is gone. Nelson Aguilar, the wide receiver who drops literally everything, uh, even, a guy on Philadelphia local news can catch better than <laughs> Nelson Aguilar, supposedly. Um, they lost a, a couple guys on their offensive line. They lost their starting right guard, Brandon Brooks, who is a Pro Bowl. So uh, it's a pretty big um, loss to that offensive line. But they, they re-signed Jason Peters, who was the left tackle for years now. Jason Peters, I think, is 38 years old. He's one of the oldest guys in the NFL other than non-quarterback and he's going to be slotting in for Brandon Brooks on the offensive line and they have had Peter's replacement in the wings for a couple years now so uh, there's going to be no problems with that but then they uh, re-signed Corey Clement as the running back Nate Sudfeld to back up Carson Wentz but where they really kind of got interesting was and I feel bad for him. They spent a six-round pick in last year's draft for uh, Marquise Goodwin, and now he's opted out. So they basically spent a six-round pick for nothing, which eh, you never like to see. But uh, in the actual draft, they took Jalen Rager in the first round. And like I said, it was very obvious that they were going to take either a cornerback or a wide receiver in this year's draft. And they ended up going wide receiver People were ticked off at the time because they actually took Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson, but I'll touch on that here in just one second. They took Jalen Hurts in the second round, so they were just locked and loaded with double Jalen. Um, I think in the th- the fourth round, they were going to go with another Jalen if they had one that was actually useful, but they couldn't find one, so they actually went with uh, Jack Driscoli, who's a guard. They got another couple wide receivers later on with uh, John Hightower and Quez Watkins. So they really went at the wide receiver position and offensive line in this year's draft, and there's a reason for that, right? So offensive line, they've been pretty solid the last few years, but they lost Brandon Brooks pretty early to the Achilles tear. Uh, they didn't know that they were going to have Jason Peters back until just recently. Uh, they recently re-signed him, and they just needed the extra depth on the O-line. And they definitely tried to get that, and then their skill position players, they're solid at running back. Uh, Miles Sanders is a stud, and he's someone that I was pretty low on at the start of this offseason, and I've grown quite heavily on the last couple weeks 
Their wide receivers are rocky as all hell. Jalen Rager is a very interesting addition to this team, but the other guys that they have at wide receiver right now, they got Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. And man, I'll cover them here in just a second. But yeah, that is a major problem going forward. So quarterback, Carson Wentz, going to be a stud, I guess. Carson Wentz is always so hard because... He's been injured every single year the last couple years, and that's kind of the joke is he can always make it through a season, but he can never make it through the full season, right? He can never make it through the playoffs. And if Carson Wentz can play a whole season, I mean, last year he was making it work with Greg Ward as his top wide receiver, who was a practice squad guy that they signed. So, they lost all of their receiving options last year and they still managed to make it to the playoffs, which is just a testament to how good Carson Wentz can be when he's when he's hitting all cylinders. But Carson Wentz from the fantasy perspective is interesting because he's someone who I think is a little disrespected, but Carson Wentz owners don't disrespect him. So it's like all the guys that own him realize that he has that upside, but everyone else kind of looks down on him if you don't own him kind of thing. So he's very interesting. They did re-sign him, I think it was last year. So the the really crazy part of this year's draft was the Jalen Hurts signing in the second round because Jalen Hurts had the potential to go somewhere to be a starter. And like... The New England Patriots, there were rumors that they were really interested in Jalen Hurts. And the Eagles took Jalen Hurts about three picks before the Patriots' next pick. So um, in the draft, the Patriots actually ended up trading back from that next pick. And I think that there's a little bit more fire to the smoke of those rumors that the Patriots were interested in Jalen Hurts because they also drafted Hurts right before the Steelers were up. And the Steelers desperately need a future at quarterback because all they got right now is Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges backing up Big Ben and that ain't nothing nobody wants to see so um, it's just kind of an interesting what they're going to do with him long term because Jalen Hurts is a very more run focused quarterback he's much more mobile than like a Carson Wentz is and it's it, it wouldn't be the same scheme for these two guys so what they're planning on doing with Jalen Hurts, especially with Carson Wentz having so so many years left on his contract, it's just kind of perplexing. So I don't know if they took Hurts as potential trade bait or or what, but yeah, that's something that's kind of interesting going forward. But from fantasy, like I said, Carson Wentz is the guy. I think he has top five quarterback potential. He just needs to hit, and these wide receivers aren't going to do him any favors, but We'll see. So uh, running back again, they got Miles Sanders. They got Boston Scott. They got Corey Clement. And they got a couple other guys that they took in undrafted free agency. But Miles Sanders is someone I've been getting really hot on the last couple weeks. And I was really down on Sanders at the start of this offseason because I am very nervous about Doug Peterson's usage of the running back in the last few years because he's never really used a workhorse guy. And Miles Sanders is very talented. He is more than talented enough to be a workhorse for a team. If he were to become Philly's workhorse running back, I'd be all in on on Miles Sanders in a heartbeat. 
But the fact that Doug Peterson was even looking at someone like Devonta Freeman this offseason and Carlos Hyde this offseason to kind of bring in to back up Miles Sanders is very, very concerning because what is those guys going to offer that Miles Sanders can't do better, right? Or even Boston Scott could do better. So it just makes me nervous because I don't know if Doug Peterson just feels comfortable using a workhorse guy where he likes to switch it up. So Miles Sanders, when he was given the opportunity at the end of last year, showed that he was like running back 15 over the last few weeks of the season. So uh, he's just someone who's very, very interesting. And if he gets that role, I think Miles Sanders could easily be a top 10 running back, easily maybe even be top five, just because he is extremely talented. Now, man, if he ends up being top five, that's just crazy because that would put uh, Barkley that would put Zeke and potentially Miles Sanders all top five. This running backs for the NFC East are just they are just deep with fantasy running backs over here. But um, yeah, Miles Sanders, if you can get him cheap, uh, he's been so hyped up this offseason though. So good luck with that. I mean, everyone else kind of seems to be on Miles Sanders before I slowly rolled around to it. So it's driven up his price quite a bit. I think he's going off the board as RB7 right now in a startup. So yeah, he's just getting pretty hyped up. And like I said, there's just the main risk associated with Sanders to me is just Doug Peterson's history. Without that, if you told me that Andy Reid was the head coach of the Eagles, I'd be so in on Miles Sanders. But Yeah, I guess that's probably just my fear of Peterson's history kind of shining through a little bit there. So um, from a wide receiver perspective, they got Jalen Rager in the first round and people were ticked off because they took him over Justin Jefferson. And I think that is absolutely insane. I love Justin Jefferson. I thought he was extremely talented. Uh, I thought he was a little underrated, but man, I was so sad because this is two years in a row as a Patriots fan. I just want to share my misery with you guys. Last year, we took Enkeel Harry over someone like Debo Samuel, over A.J. Brown, over uh, even Paris Campbell, who I thought would have been a better fit for the Patriots than Enkeel Harry. So I was really sad last year because we didn't get a good wide receiver for our team, right? Maybe Enkeel Harry could be a good wide receiver, but I just wanted one of these more dominant alpha personalities, right? And it's just... Again, in 2020, the draft, we didn't get Jalen Rager. We didn't take any wide receivers in this year's draft. We didn't take Brandon Ayuk, LaVishka Chenault, any of these guys that were considered top wide receiver options. We didn't take any of them. And I was really, really hoping that we'd get Jalen Rager with our first round pick. The Eagles, I think, took right before we were to pick. I think they took him at... 22 or 23 and we were supposed to pick at 24 uh we ultimately traded out of that position but man I just was really hoping that he would have been a patriot I think he he would have been perfect for our team because this guy is so explosive and he's so fast people were giving him so much crap at the combine because he ran like a 438 or 437 or something like that but he put on like 20 pounds of weight before the combine and people are giving him crap for running a sub 4-4. Like, 
The guy ran a sub 4-4. He's extremely fast. He Yeah, he wasn't a sub 4-3 like Henry Ruggs, but... I mean, the guy was still flying. So without that extra weight, he definitely would have broken uh, 4-3. But yeah, people are, were just really down on Jalen Rager. I think this dude is going to be a beast because the other two starting wide receivers for this team are Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. And then they got J.J. Arcega-Whiteside uh, sitting in the wings. And Alshon Jeffrey is starting the season on the pub. From a dynasty perspective, he has nothing left in the tank. He is a glorified Jimmy Graham at this point in his career. He's just a big wide receiver who can do the jump ball in the end zone, and that's really all he's good for. Alshon Jeffrey has been washed for about two years now as a wide receiver. They should have just slotted him over as a tight end or traded him to a tight end needy team because that's all he is now. He's just a big-bodied wide receiver who can jump, and the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy for like three years is just massive disappointment from a fantasy perspective. And then same same with Deshaun Jackson. Last year he played one game and he's not a spring chicken. He's still extremely fast, which is just crazy because the dude would blow me out in a race so bad that it's not even funny. But um, he's a considered an old wide receiver at this point. And he just also has injury concerns left, right, and center. So if both of these guys miss time, because Alshon probably will miss at least six games starting on the pup, Deshaun Jackson might play one game and then be done for the season, just like in 2019. If that happens, their top right wide receiver is going to be their tight end with Zach Ertz. Their second pass catcher will be Dallas Goddard. Third will probably be Miles Sanders. And then, I mean, you got Jalen Rager and Arcega Whiteside. So Rager has a potential massive workload share coming to him in 2020. And I think he's talented enough that he can be an alpha wide receiver. The fact that people were ticked about him, Justin Jefferson instead, you know, is just the bias when it comes to these rankings at, at pre-draft. It's just crazy to me because Rager was one of the most talented wide receivers in this draft. So um, I think Eagles fans will be just, fine with him come 2021 they're going to realize how good this guy was our Sega Whiteside is another guy he's kind of interesting they took him in second round in 19 but I just don't know what to expect from him he wasn't very good in 2019 uh, but the old three-year curve on these wide receivers I don't want to give up on Whiteside just yet um I need to see something, at least a little bit of something from him in 2020. Again, just like Rager's got a ton of potential opportunity coming to him, so does Arcega Whiteside. So uh, we'll see what the uh, 2020 season holds for Arcega Whiteside. But yeah, he's someone who is interesting from a dynasty perspective because you can get him for dirt cheap. I mean, everyone's really high on Jalen Rager right now, but Arcega Whiteside is in a startup going extremely late, 20th round plus, or like you could easily get him for a 2021 third even potentially. So um, if you want to take a pretty big lottery ticket on Arcega Whiteside, he's only a second year player, you know, just like Paris Campbell, who Paris Campbell was extremely disappointed last year, but people are high on him this year. So yeah, I think Arcega Whiteside is someone who could splash from fantasy. And for the tight end position, Again, we got Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard 
Both of these guys are going to be the probably number one and number two in targets for this team. Carson Wentz loves targeting the tight end position with the injuries to the wide receivers. I just, Zach Ertz is someone who's been kind of disrespected this offseason. I mean, people are taking someone like Mark Andrews over Zach Ertz, and Zach Ertz is just in line for 120 targets. I mean, there's no reason why Zach Ertz won't finish top three at tight end this year in my book. There's no reason why. And he's going as tight end four off the boards, which is just wild. I got him in a tight end premium league where you get two points per catch, right? Two whole points per catch. He was at the end of the third round in a startup I did recently. And it's just, man, that that's crazy to me because uh, in 2019, he had like 80 catches. I mean, people are just so down on Zach Ertz right now. It's just crazy to me. And then Dallas Goddard is another guy who's extremely talented as a tight end. He is the heir apparent to Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is getting near the end of his contract. And I don't think that they're going to bring him back after that's all said and done. I think they're going to kind of transition more to Dallas Goddard and because of the age gap between the two and Dallas Goddard could easily tie Zach Ertz this year in targets and productivity. Um, Dallas Goddard's much more of a yard after catch guy than Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz will catch it. He'll get a couple yards and basically what you you target him with, that's what he's going to get. Where Dallas Goddard has the ability to just blow people away at the line. So um, he's someone who's pretty interesting going forward. You might be able to get him on a bargain right now, but people are slowly starting to wake up to the value of Dallas Goddard in Dynasty and his long-term value. So get him while you can, because after 2020, I think the ship will sail where it's going to be Dallas Goddard's show and Zach Ertz. They're going to basically flip-flop, but in 2020, I just think Zach Ertz will probably be better than Dallas Goddard. I just think in 2021, that's when the shift over between the two kind of happens. But yeah, Dallas Goddard, if you can get him for cheap, Zach Ertz even, if you can get him for cheap, because like I said, he's being massively disrespected, and I just don't get why. Let me know over on like Facebook or Twitter what you guys think, why he's being disrespected, or what I'm missing on on the disrespect. But yeah, Zach Ertz is just someone who is going to finish easily top three for the tight end, in my opinion. So fantasy options for the Philadelphia Eagles are looking pretty good. You know, they're, they've got some, some hope again, uh, some great options with Miles Sanders potentially being a top five guy, which would just be very spicy. I would love to see three top five running backs from one division. That'd be just the best thing ever to see. But yeah, very, very good fantasy options for this team. Uh, some of them going at a little bit of a value, but yeah, see what you guys can get. And that's the Eagles. So up next, we're going to finish with the Washington football team. And I, I, I'm going to not lie to you guys. I'm going to try not to say Washington Redskins, but they've been the Redskins my whole life. So it's kind of ingrained in me at this point, you know, just uh habit at this point. So, um, the Washington football team is kind of a, a cluster right now. And there is a lot of bad around this team. There's a lot of negative press around their owner, Dan Snyder, and the culture there. And 
yeah, there's just been a crazy offseason for the for the Washington football team. And right now they are temporarily using Washington football team as their name because they have dropped the Redskins. And whether you agree with it or not, I'm not here to judge the morals of the name, but they are looking at long-term solutions. I'm really still hoping that they go with the DC Sentinels. That would just be pretty sweet. I like the Sentinels. It's just... I I know Red Tails is a very popular one too. I think that's a great one. Um, there's a lot of options they can kind of go with the Washington long-term team name. And yeah, the Sentinels is cool to me just because of the replacements. But uh, I liked that movie a lot when I was growing up. But um, no bias there. <laughs> but the Red Tails, again, that's a pretty good one. The Red Wolves. Uh, there's a few others that were thrown around. I We'll see what they do long-term, but... Right now, they're rolling with the football team, which uh, is very interesting for a team name. So they have a new head coach, and Ron Rivera, former Carolina Panthers head coach, is now the head coach of the Washington football team. And uh, he brought over a lot of his coaches with Carolina to slot in under his system and One thing that is kind of interesting is Bruce Allen, who was the GM for the team in 2019, is now gone to much of fans' delight. Uh, The fans really did not like Bruce Allen. He's been there for like a decade, and he was just terrible the entire time. Um, Every single offseason, they had a hashtag fire Bruce Allen trending (laughs) every single year. So that just goes to tell you what they thought of Bruce Allen. But he's now gone, and they did not replace him with a general manager. They have someone who was in charge of the draft this year, but they did not officially replace him with a GM. So uh, it's kind of interesting that Ron Rivera doesn't really have anybody to answer to except Dan Snyder himself. So that's kind of an interesting piece of this long term. But the Washington team is just in a little bit of disarray right now. The one bright light that they have going for him is the fact that Ron Rivera is such an established coach in the NFL and he has such a good reputation with players of being a player's coach and being a great defensive mind for the game that a lot of these guys, they actually didn't lose very many guys this offseason on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I'm not too sure about the defensive side, but they made some pretty splash signings from the defensive side of the ball too with uh, Chase Young as their first overall pick. A lot of people were talking about how they could potentially trade back and get a haul for those guys, but uh, they brought in a lot of guys in the offseason. Logan Thomas at tight end, Richard Rodgers at tight end. They signed Thad Moss as an undrafted free agent at tight end. Uh, a lot of O-linemen, Alex Smith potentially coming back. Um, and now he wasn't a signing, but he was someone who's basically been considered to be retired for the last couple of years because of such a horrific leg injury. But he, in the last couple of days, has actually made it back to training camp for the Washington football team. And he has impressed his coaches so far, which is interesting to see because Alex Smith, I, he was always a solid quarterback. You knew what you were going to get from Alex Smith. He's someone who isn't going to wow you, but he's not going to disappoint you either. You know, he's he's not going to win you lost games, but he's not going to lose you one games, you know, if, if you get what I'm saying. So if Alex Smith does make it back, 
I think it'll be good for Dwayne Haskins to kind of push him a little bit more going forward to help him mature into the NFL. So that's something to kind of watch out for a little bit. But in the draft, they actually signed Antonio Gibson as their first offensive player. And they didn't have a second round pick. So he was actually the second player off the board that they signed this year. And Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver for Memphis. He's converted to running back for the team. And I think he's kind of playing just dual role for the team in 2020 because they do need some wide receiver help for this team, but their running backs are just loaded with guys right now. And and they signed Shadik Charles, a offensive tackle, Antonio Gandy-Golden, both of those guys in the fourth round. Uh, they signed Keith Ishmael, a, another center. So kind of just trying to plug some of the holes. I know they got a few defensive guys in this year's draft, but One of the biggest trades that they made this year was they traded Trent Williams to San Francisco for draft picks, right? And I think they got a couple 2021 draft picks out of it. But Trent Williams going to San Francisco means that he's no longer holding out, but it also means that they lost their best left tackle on the books. So that's a pretty big loss for the team. I mean, they played without him in 2019, so I mean, it's not a huge loss for the for him, but he was, again, by far the best left tackle on the team. So it will put a little bit more pressure on some of these guys in the background. But um, from a fantasy perspective, it's looking a little rough in 2020. And there's a lot of hope around this team, not to say that none of these guys will be exciting. Quarterback, they got Dwayne Haskins. They brought in Kyle Allen to kind of sit and compete with Dwayne Haskins. I don't think there's any chance that Kyle Allen passes up Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins has actually slimmed down quite a bit this offseason. He came in a little chubby to the actual NFL, um, and I'm no one to call anyone chubby, but um, he... He slimmed down quite a bit. I think he's down to, he lost about 20 pounds in this offseason, and he is looking pretty lean and muscular. And man, he has been throwing some dimes this offseason in his practice. So I'm actually really excited about Dwayne Haskins. I really like him. Um, and this is coming from a guy who hates Ohio State. So the fact that I like Dwayne Haskins with the, with the Washington football team is just pretty telling that I think that he's being slept on ridiculously low. I was looking the other day, he's ranked at quarterback 27 in dynasty right now. And I just don't get it. Like he has a lot of upside. He was a first round pick last year. People are giving up on Dwayne Haskins way too quick, in my opinion. And I get it. He doesn't have great weapons in 2020, but they're going to get more weapons for him in 2021 and in years coming. They just got Ron Rivera. He's going to bring in some of these weapons and these free agents because people like to play for him. So yeah, it's dynasty. Maybe in 2020, Dwayne Haskins isn't super exciting, but he's definitely got a lot of upside and he's got a lot of long-term potential. We should not be talking about him in dynasty as the QB 27 long-term. I would much rather have him to someone like Tyrod Taylor or someone like even Kirk Cousins, because we know what Kirk Cousins is going to do for the Vikings. We don't know exactly what Dwayne Haskins is going to do. He went on a pretty good tear at the end of 2019. Uh, So 
Giving up on Dwayne Haskins now, I think, is a little foolish. And Alex Smith coming back to mentor him, uh, because I don't think Alex Smith actually will be able to take the starting role from Dwayne Haskins. Um, He might push him and kind of propel him forward a little bit more. So it comes with heavy heart that I actually have to make an emergency edit to the pod covering the running backs for the Washington football team. Um, Most of you probably have heard the news. Uh, Darius Geis was arrested today with multiple counts of domestic violence and was then cut from the Washington football team. In my first version of the breakdown of the running backs, I actually had a pretty strong defense of Darius Geis and his opportunity with Washington this season. But now that's not an option that he's been removed from the team. And um, just want to cover that real quick with Darius Geis that it just really saddens me that um, he's someone who has these domestic violence charges and you never want to see that. We need to be better as men that we shouldn't be doing that to women in the first place. I come from a family that my actual birth father was domestically abusing my uh, mom when I was a really young child. And um, so it's just something that hits a little close to home because I really like Darius Geis. I thought he was a, a great personality for the community. You know, he really goes out of his way to take time with fans and to really kind of be a strong personality in the community. And I was really hyped about him this year, but that's no longer an option because he's no longer with Washington. We'll see if he makes his way back to another team in the future. Um, I know in today's culture, it's not very popular to give anyone any chance of forgiveness, um, but hopefully that Darius guys can fix these problems in his life and, um, if he never plays in the NFL because of it, you know, that's probably perfectly deserved at this point. But yeah, I'm never rooting for anybody to just fail and never improve upon themselves in the future. So here's hoping that Darius guys can improve on that going forward. But um, I did have to make an emergency edit to remove my entire guys breakdown from this podcast. So uh, just so you guys know, this wasn't the first take, but So Darius Geis is no longer with the Washington football team, which is extremely beneficial for someone like Antonio Gibson. And Antonio Gibson was the second pick that the Redskins used in this draft. He was a wide receiver, converted to running back. So you know that he has pass catching chops. He is extremely explosive. If you go watch his highlight tape from his days in Memphis, man, that guy is just electric. And people were excited about him before the Geis news because, I mean, people were hedging their bets around Geis anyway with the injury concerns around his knee and the ACL and everything like that. So people were really high on Antonio Gibson in the first place as soon as they announced that they were converting him to running back. But yeah, Antonio Gibson is now primed. People were calling him the second coming of CMC for Ron Rivera. And we all saw what CMC did with Rivera. So Uh, and Scott Turner, who is the OC for the Washington football team. So there is a very big upside potential for Antonio Gibson with this team now, and he is someone who I hope you got him while you could because he was originally going in third rounds of rookie drafts. He's been climbing steadily ever since March, and man, he, he is someone who is now going to be selling for a premium. If you own Antonio Gibson and you're not sold on him, 
Now is the perfect time to sell because you will get a king's ransom for him because everyone thinks he's going to be the number one guy. But they still have Adrian Peterson, uh, AP. I know his nickname has changed to AD the last few years, all day. Uh, That's just not how it works. And I want to go on a little bit of a rant here. People who call him AD now and expect everyone to change to AD after years and years of calling him AP are just, they drive me crazy because... You can't, he was AP, he was originally AP, and just recently he wants to change it to AD. That's not how it works, not how work, nicknames work, man. You can't just change them whenever you want to. So he's AP in my book, for now, forever. But AP is still with the Washington Redskins. He really doesn't have too much left in the tank. He's pretty old now, you know. He's a shell of his former self, man. Back in that year where he had the the single season rushing record, it's just... Man, he used to be so much fun to watch, and he still is pretty dang good for being 34, 35 years old. I don't know what water him and Frank Gore have been drinking, but man, those guys know what to do to keep themselves young and fresh. It's just crazy to me watching those guys at their advanced age. Usually, the running backs fall off at 26. These guys are 35, 36, and still look capable running the ball, so it's just crazy to me, but Adrian Peterson's still there. He's in line for quite a few carries. I don't know if he'll actually make the team uh, after training camp. I don't see them cutting him because he's such a strong veteran personality. I think Ron Rivera is going to cherish that a little bit more this year, especially with COVID and the lockdowns and now the Darius Geis culture issues. Adrian Peterson, someone who, if you remember back with the uh, switch with his kid a few years ago, um, someone who's kind of gone through that and he can help build a strong personality because Adrian Peterson was kicked out of the league for a year because of the whole uh, child abuse thing that he kind of went through back in the day. And he came back and stronger than ever. And he's been a pretty strong leader for teams and a very strong locker room personality. So he's a great person to have if you're trying to build a culture. So He might make the team just because of that. I don't know if they're going to use him a ton in the running game. We'll see. I could see him being more of a kind of change of pace guy at this point in his career, but we'll kind of see where he goes. If he steals more than 75 carries for this team, I think it's kind of a problem for someone like Antonio Gibson and the guy I'm about to mention, Bryce Love, who both of those guys, if Adrian Peterson's sucking away a ton of carries from him, it does make me nervous about both those guys in at least 2020 long term. Bryce Love is someone that they took in the fourth round of last year's draft, and he had an ACL tear before the draft last year, so he was recouping from it during the entire 2019 season. But he is now in line to be set up for this team because, I mean, with no Darius guys, Bryce Love had almost no chance of seeing any active gameplay without an injury to guys or. Adrian Peterson being cut or something like that. So with no guys, Bryce Love is someone who was pretty good in college. Um, The injury concerns towards the end of his college career really kind of dropped him down uh, before the injury concerns. I know he was in talks for maybe second round, third round. I think I remember even seeing a couple people project him way before that season of a first round running back in that class and so he's just someone who was very very talented but just got derailed by injuries and like same with guys before the whole getting cut from the team thing where both these guys are just really good but they need to 
stay healthy. So um, if Bryce Love is fully healthy now, it'll be something interesting to watch. I think him and Antonio Gibson could be a strong one-two punch with kind of Adrian Peterson changing pace for one of those guys if they need to to catch a breath or something like that. So Adrian Peterson just has no pass catching chops. So I think that Bryce Love can catch the ball pretty well. And Antonio Gibson can definitely catch the ball pretty well being a wide receiver. But Antonio Gibson is going to be used as kind of a dual threat as well. So um, he's going to be used as a running back and also possibly a slot wide receiver for the team because they do need help with the wide receiver position, which I'll cover here in just a second. But yeah, this running back room, unfortunately for Geis, uh, got a little bit more interesting with the removal of Geis. You know, like I said, I don't wish ill on anybody. Uh, Hopefully Geis can find a way to improve upon his life and his current circumstances. You know, at least he turned himself in. You you like to see that at least. Um, He's holding himself semi-accountable instead of trying to run from it and deny it and everything like that. Kind of like some of these other guys who have done that in the past with similar charges. So at least he's a, he's owning up to it a little bit. But again, I hope guys can kind of bounce back from this. Like I said, he was somebody that I really liked in the community. He was a good, um, he was good for fans and things like that. So it just kind of is a tough blow to handle today. But um, Antonio Gibson definitely primed to see a massive uptick in work now. Bryce Love, someone who's going to benefit massively from releasing guys. And all of a sudden, Washington coming into the season was a very muddy backfield with four guys that you never knew which one was going to do what because Love, Gibson, and Geis could all do both run and carry. But now without Geis, it's only Bryce Love and Antonio Gibson who can catch the ball and all three, AP, Gibson, and Love can all um, run the ball pretty well too. So it got a little bit more clear now that Geis is no longer with the team. So there's some definite fantasy value with these running backs that are left on the team. So up next, we're going to cover the wide receivers. For the wide receivers for this team, they have Kelvin Harmon, who tore an ACL, which was very unfortunate. People were kind of excited about him. Terry McLaurin, who is the clear wide receiver one for this team. They have Trey Quinn, Antonio Gandy-Golden. They have Cam Sims, Steve Sims. They have a lot of guys who it's very interesting to see who's going to be the wide receiver two because, like I said, Terry McLaurin is the clear wide receiver one for the team. He's the most talented guy. He's got a rapport with Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. They played together, came out the same year. I think Terry McLaurin is going to take a pretty big step forward in 2020. And he's going to be part of the reason why Dwayne Haskins is underrated because Terry McLaurin is a very talented wide receiver. Antonio Gandy-Golden is a freak of a player. His highlight reel, he came from a really, really small school. So there's a little bit of risk around that. And that's why people aren't super high on Gandy-Golden right now. But man, go watch his highlight tape. It's wild the things that he was doing at this small conference. So he could very easily step up to be the wide receiver two for this team. And I think if he does, man, he is someone who talk about cheap from a dynasty perspective. You can get him for like a 2021 fifth rounder. The dude is so cheap. And yeah, he's someone that 
very easily could step up to be the wide receiver two for this team. Trey Quinn, another guy that's kind of interesting out of the slot. Trey Quinn was Mr. Irrelevant a couple years ago. He was the uh, last pick in the draft, but it'll be interesting to watch. Like I said, we don't know what Dwayne Haskins is going to do for this receiving core. We kind of have to watch them and see which guys emerge. The only one I'm solid on is Terry McLaurin. Maybe Steve Sims, maybe Cam Sims. Dontrell Inman is with the team now. Like, There's just a lot of guys where we don't know who's going to be the guy that Dwayne Haskins likes to go to. So other than Terry McLaurin, the rest is a crapshoot. You kind of have to watch them, but just pay attention to it and see who kind of steps up and early in the year, make a trade offer if you like one of the guys and just go from there. But tight end, again, they got Jeremy Sprinkle, Richard Rodgers, Thad Moss, uh, not a very sexy group of tight ends for this team. I'm not interested in any of these guys except Thad Moss from a dynasty perspective. Thad Moss, I'm only interested in because of his name value and his dad because the son of Randy Moss is kind of interesting you know he's got a pretty athletic family tree so uh, we'll see if he can do anything he was an undrafted free agent I know he was dealing with an injury during the draft so it did push him down the draft board if he had been able to participate at the combine and have a pro day and all those things maybe he would have gone a lot higher than undrafted (laughs) actually gone in the actual draft in We'll see, but yeah, Thad Moss is the only guy that I'm interested in long-term just because there's nobody else to really compete with him. So we'll see if he can kind of step up. But again, he's a rookie tight end. Takes a little while for these guys and he's undrafted free agent. It The cards are stacked against him, but get him if you can. Not too excited on him, but yeah, so that's the Washington football team. There's some there's some definite uh, long-term prospects that I'm very, very interested in with Washington. They've got to do a little bit of proving to me, but man, these are the sleepers uh, that you could invest in that could pay off. They are the Bitcoin where invest $100 now and get a million dollars in two years. So um, that's the Washington football team. This is the NFC East. It's very interesting from a fantasy perspective. A lot of lot of viable options in this division, so hope you enjoyed my breakdown. Next week, I'm going to be bringing you guys the NFC South, and that's where things get a little spicy with uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay and Drew Brees and the Saints, and yeah, that's just a very, very loaded uh, division from a competitive standpoint. So hope you guys enjoyed this breakdown. Like I said, follow me over on Twitter at DFFCalvin on Instagram at the Dynasty Consultant or on Facebook. You can find the Dynasty After Dark Facebook page. Uh, Drop me any comments, any trade questions, any general questions that you guys may have. I love answering your guys' questions. So hit me up with anything you guys want to know, and I'm always happy to answer your guys' questions. So until then, hope you guys have a good week this upcoming week. Thanks for listening. Good luck in your leagues, and good night.